0: Inland, climate change is causing extreme temperatures and reducing snow-covered areas, intensifying heavy rain in some parts of the planet, and causing drought in others. As habitats are changing too, what does it mean for animals and plants? The more you study climate change, the scarier it is, and the more you realize this this isn't just gloom and doom and people waving their arms for no reason whatsoever or to get attention. This is very real. I mean, this is absolutely happening. It's going to have a huge impact on everyone's life. Today on the America's Now podcast, we talk with correspondent John Zarella, who has witnessed the effects of climate change in delicate and precious habitats like Yellowstone National Park. welcome to the america's now podcast and a big hello to john Zarella who joins us from cape canaveral florida hi john
1: hey there how are you such a great pleasure to be with you
0: always great to have you on um we're gonna go outside the cities today uh because folks living in big cities or urban areas don't get to see the effects of climate change as often as maybe others who live in more rural areas other than just you know regular weather conditions but you've been in the field extensively over the years, and we wanna begin with Yellowstone. So tell us a little bit about the uniqueness of Yellowstone. We know that half of the world's geysers are located right there.
1: It's an incredible place on this planet, Yellowstone. You know, the diversity is amazing. You mentioned the geysers and the hot springs and the mud pots and, you know, um, just, filled with all kinds of, of, you know, there's grizzly bears, and there's black bears, and of course, you know, buffalo, which are just everywhere up there. And, you know, as as we saw um, this past summer, as we saw the, that they just kind of own it, you know, that's their road. If, if they want to be on the road, you just got to wait till they go by. And um, so you have all of that, you've got... this incredible falls that uh, the Yellowstone Falls, which is just spectacular. And on top of that, you've got beautiful prairies, you know, filled with purple flowers and yellow flowers that seem to go on endless up the sides of the hills in the mountains, And then you've got this enormous just canopy of pine trees that covers pretty much the vast majority, you know, of Yellowstone. So um, it is just, you know, it, it's just a remarkable, remarkable place with so much, you know, varied na- the nature and then on top of that, the wildlife. So, you know, it's just a, an incredible place.
0: I mean, it's on the bucket list for so many people to to make that pilgrimage to Yellowstone. Um, and for those who live there, they see it all the time, but you have been more than once as a tourist. You've mm-hmm. gone. What what sort of changes have you noticed over the years? And what did you see on this trip that you didn't see in previous trips?
1: Well, here's the thing. That's a tricky question because of the fact that when you go, whether you're a tourist or whether you're someone like like me that goes 10 years ago or 20 years ago and then goes again now, the change is slow. You don't, if you're not there every single day is what the scientists, you know, and the biologists and the park rangers will tell you, they see it because they're there every day and have been for some of them for 30 years. But if you're going as a tourist, you're looking, well, I still see all the buffalo and the the, the the geysers aren't going anywhere. They'll always be there. They're not necessarily going to be susceptible to climate change. <clears throat> but what you're you hear from the scientists is that the changes that are occurring now, even though you don't quite see it, what well you did see it a little bit this year, this past year, when they had the flood. They had the big flood that, you know. Just swept down Yellowstone River and you know inundated the area and took out all kinds of of uh, bridges and roadways and, and parts of the sides of the the cliffs up on the north end in Mammoth. Mammoth uh, <clears throat> is the name of it. Um, so you had that, and what happens with that is, is that was because they had three solid days of rainfall. just rain after rain after rain, which is absolutely unheard of in Yellowstone. So the question becomes, okay, are we going to start seeing more floods down the road? And the answer, you know, climate scientists say is, yeah, more than likely. And the reason being, because you're going to have snow melt faster. You're going to have the, the, the weird twist to climate change is there will probably be more snow than there is now. But spring is going to come a lot earlier. The temperatures are going to be a lot warmer in general. So the snow melt will come earlier and faster and you're going to end up with more floods, perhaps bigger floods.
0: Well, let's listen to Ann Rodman, who is a scientist with the National Park Service. One of the things about climate change isn't that these changes in temperature haven't ever happened this amount, it's how fast it's going to happen. And that has never happened at the the rate that it's and that's makes it so hard to predict how plants, animals are going to react to a a change that comes that quickly. Exactly what you said, John. Uh, Some scientists believe that the temperature in Yellowstone will increase considerably in the next 100 years. I mean, it seems like that's a reflection of what's happening all around the world, right? It's, it's just going to happen there, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and they were saying it would be something like 5 to 14 degree temperature increase in the next 100 years. During the last ice age, it took 5,000 years for that to happen, to have those kind of temperature changes. And it'll happen in 100 years. So when Ann Rodman says that, and my, my question to her was, well, then how the heck do you know what? To plan for what what species to try to save you know what creatures are going to make it what aren't you know she says that's the difficulty we don't we don't know because we don't know the extent of the impacts because they're so you know of so slow slow you, even though they'll be faster considerably faster it is still slower than you know what we're what um What they can use modeling, modeling is predicting these things, you know, um, but they still don't have a handle on exactly what's going to happen. There's no way they can. What
0: about wildfires? You mentioned the floods that we saw there this summer, but how big of concern are wildfires for places like Yellowstone? We've already seen uh, the damage in other parts of the West Coast.
1: Yeah. They've had bad wildfires in the past, but here's the thing. So wildfires, with the warming temperatures, the climate scientists say what's going to happen is you're going to have more, you know, you'll have the snow melt earlier, so that'll all be gone. Temperatures will be warmer. You're going to have more thunderstorms in the summer, which they don't ever get out there. You'll have thunderstorms, you'll have lightning, and then you'll have the wildfires. So one of the climate scientists that we talked to expects that most of this massive pine forest will end up gone, just disappear. Now, pine forests have the ability, they drop those seeds out of their cones, and that's how they regenerate after fires. They have their own built-in mechanism to save themselves, you know, and make another generation of pine trees. But the question people like Ann Rodman are asking is, well, we don't know if we have this these massive numbers of wildfires, if we'll if these pine trees will still be able with the changes in the temperatures and everything else to do what they have always done for you know thousands of years. So you'll end up with instead of a pine forest, some of the scientists we talked to say it'll just be that'll all be gone. It'll just be a grassland. so the the landscape, Uh, of Yellowstone will change dramatically. And then if you have a, a grassland and not a pine forest, then some species that need the forest to survive, well, they'll be gone too.
0: John, you also covered the Great Salt Lake drying up. Briefly, tell us a little bit about that. And is that reversible somehow?
1: Reversible? What we were told by scientists and several of them was, look, 3,000 square mile lake, it's down to 1,000. Probably will never go back to being 3,000. And it, it is, a, so it's, they've got to stabilize it. Reversing it does not appear to be much of an option. Just stop it, stabilize it, you know, get the water flowing back into it again. Uh-huh. Um, so what you have with the Great Salt Lake, for people who don't know, it's a terminal lake. By a terminal lake, that means. Water flows in from three rivers, primarily the Bear River. But there's nowhere for water to flow out. It only flows in. So when it had 3,000 you know, square miles of, of lake, well, that was great because you had plenty of water coming into the lake. You had plenty of water from the rivers that you could still use to, for, for farming and for the communities that have grown up around there. You know, the the Salt Lake is just, population has exploded over the years. But now they have not had the rainfall. They're in a drought. So they're in a drought that's lasted 10 years now. And they're saying if it's a mega drought, it could go on for another 50 years. And so you're not going to get the rainfall. So, and with climate change, temperatures warming up, you're gonna have the same kind of thing going on there that you have in Yellowstone, which isn't that far away. You're gonna have more snow in the Wasatch Range, the mountains, and, but it's gonna melt earlier. And with the warmer temperatures, decided to say what you have is a lot of that snowpack that snow evaporates. It doesn't even end up running off and being used. It's gone to the atmosphere. So you lose all that. So um, it's it's a very, very difficult problem. They've got to find a way to get more water into the lake um, in times when it's dry and even in times when they get rain if they can break out of the drought. But you've got the issues with warming temperatures, more evaporation, even on the lake itself. The waters of the lake are evaporating on top of that. So it's a very, very difficult situation.
0: Let's take a listen to Bonnie Baxter, who is the director of the Great Salt Lake Institute. Yeah, we could see ecosystem collapse, but we could also see this valley become unlivable. And that's not really an exaggeration. Is that because of all the reasons that you
1: just went through? Well, it's even more than that. But yeah, that's, that's that's quite a bit of it. So what you have is you've got the brine fish, brine shrimp, brine flies feeding off bacteria and algae. And then on top of that, you've got all these migratory birds, millions of them that come to um, hang out and spend time, you know, in and around the lake. So what's going to happen with the ecosystem is if the lake continues to dry out and you're not, and the brine shrimp are actually something like a $60 million a year industry. You know, you if anybody has tropical fish, they know what brine shrimp are. <laughs> so it's a big industry. So um, you're going to lose all of that. Um, And so on top of that, then the birds won't come there anymore. And then within the valley itself and where the people are, you've got an increase with the heat increase, with the fact that you've got water has to be rationed. You know, they've never ever in the history of Salt Lake City have had issues with water. It never was an issue because they had plenty of it. From the mountains and from the rivers. But now, not the case anymore. So that's why she says it may become unlivable because you may not be able to sustain, you know, the water. And you certainly won't have enough water for all the agriculture that goes on in that valley. You know, that valley is basically like a Garden of Eden. You know, you got mountains on one side, you've got this great salt lake on another, you've got desert all around in many places. But because this place, Sat right there where the mountain waters would drip down, flow into the aquifers underground. You had the rivers, you had plenty of water for all the needs of Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. Not so much anymore. The climate is changing in the wrong direction. The population is booming, you know, going to double in 20 years type of thing. So it's all going in the wrong direction. So I think stabilization is really the only thing at the moment.
0: Definitely something to watch. John Zurella. thank you so much for being with us on the America's Now podcast.
1: My pleasure, always a pleasure. Thank you.
0: This was the first of a two-part series with our correspondent, John Zurella about climate change. Next time, we'll talk about the stories you recently covered related to climate change and the oceans as well as Berean Wildlife. The executive producer of the America's Now podcast is Jose Velasquez. Our audio editor is AJ Moore. Joe Zirinko is our copy editor. Humberto Duran is the head of the features unit. And I am your host, Elaine Reyes. Until next time.